Welcome to the College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. I'm Kayla Gagnon. As part of Pride Month in June, we are talking with student athletes in the LGBTQ community about their journeys and college athlete experience. This is a topic that is extremely close to my heart as a former swimmer at West Virginia University and as a member of the LGBTQ community. A few years ago, I started my own podcast, Queer Mountaineers, that challenges the popular narrative of what it means to be queer in Appalachian, and it's now on its fourth season. Our guest today is former Hamilton College men's basketball player, Kenna Gilmore. Kenna recently graduated from Hamilton where he studied government and world politics and has a very powerful story to share. Kenna, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me today, Kayla. Of course. Well, let's roll right into it. Well, happy Pride Month. Yeah, same to you, same to you. Thank you. Uh, do you have any plans to celebrate this month? I'm hoping to go to some uh, Pride events. I'm in the 845, which is, I'm specifically in New Paltz right now in New York. Um, and there's a lot of events in um, the neighboring town. So I'm looking forward to some of those. Yeah, that's really exciting. I definitely will be going to some more local pride events myself. There's something really special about going to smaller scale ones, you know, with, you know, just really be able to connect with the people in your area. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially after uh, last year, there was no events, at least that I was able to go to. So there's been a, a full year hiatus. Absolutely. I mean, I was really grateful for the virtual events that we were able to do for Pride last year. Um, you know, I helped to run a few virtual events myself and nothing quite like, you know, feeling the energy of the people around you and just, you know, the, the tangible connections, you know, it's hard. It's going to be difficult to do over virtual events, but I am still grateful for the virtual connections that we made. Um, yeah, well, let's jump right into your uh, athletic journey. Um, well, first off, what got you into basketball to begin with? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to have to give credit to my older brother, who is two years older than me. Um, I always was competing with him and, and trying to copy him. And he started playing basketball probably when he was in third or fourth grade. So I would go to his practices and be sitting on the side. I was not allowed to, to practice or participate, but I would um, just kind of copy uh, and mimic everybody's moves and then go home and try it myself. And as I got older, I got more serious. And by the time I hit high school, um, you know, that was the only sport I wanted to focus on. And that was where I, I wanted to invest a lot of my time. So uh, you came out your freshman year, is that correct? Yeah, I came out. Um, I actually didn't even come out to my parents until uh, Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving time of my freshman year of college. And I did not start coming out to any of my uh, teammates or peers until after my season. So the spring of my freshman year. Yeah. What and uh, you know, with the you're coming out to your teammates, especially, what was that like? I ended up coming out to them um, incrementally. I started with my two closest friends on the team who were also first year students, and then two of the um, upperclassmen that I really felt close and connected with. And from there, I kind of just spread out and got more comfortable and confident. It was incredibly nerve wracking. I still actually remember the first time I came out to, to the two of my closest friends and I was shaking before and I was really nervous, but they were incredibly supportive. And I think it was a surprise to them and something that was kind of foreign to them. I don't think they were used to, to having anyone come out to them in the past, but once I kind of got their acceptance and I realized that they really had my back no matter what, it became a lot easier. And each time I came out, it, it felt like more of a weight was knocked off my shoulder um, and, you know, by the time I was a sophomore, when, when new students were coming in, new, new teammates, I easily came out to them and it was not as, as big a deal or as, as kind of strenuous on me. Yeah. I, I mean, with coming out, it's always, 
it's it is a lot easier to do that with like one or two people at a time than uh you know i mean some people do have their coming out experience with like doing it in a group but mm -hmm. i had a similar experience myself with like coming out to a few teammates but then i ended up doing like kind of barreling out of the closet with <laughs> some of my teammates and kind of came out in a bit of a burst of energy there but that's amazing though that you had an accepting experience um and you mentioned that like uh you know with having your friends not having someone come out to them before um it's also like not much representation of lgbtq plus uh people in sports at least in like you know higher level sports that you know go on tv and things like that um what was that like you know with like kind of being that sort of representation a little bit for some people around you yeah i really felt like i was you know breaking a barrier because i had not really i had only heard of one out basketball player in the past um and you know no one i had played with no one i was watching on tv i did not hear about anyone being part of the queer community in uh in men's basketball specifically so it was a little bit you know even more difficult i think in my my own mind because i was you know had having to break all these stigmas and all these assumptions um most people thought that there could not be someone who was gay and also uh, a really competitive competent uh, basketball player and you know for my most of my teammates they had not even um had a gay friend in general which was also a little bit sad in terms of how sports are very much sequestered. Uh, so I, I also felt like I was kind of acting as the monolith and that I was, you know, representing an entire community, which is also stressful. And I thought that I really had to kind of prove myself because I was not only doing this for myself, but, you know, hopefully all the, the queer people after me, they would feel more comfortable, you know, being themselves and still playing their sport that they loved. Absolutely. Um, that's amazing that you had managed to be an, ex, you know, find an accepting environment with your teammates. Um, I read that you, uh, your coach was one of your, the first people that you came out to. Uh, what was that like? Yeah, he was actually the, the third person I came out to after uh, both of my parents. And that's a little bit um, unique, I think, of kind of an experience. Most people come out to their friends first, but uh, I felt like this, the secret was so bottled up inside me that I needed to first tell my parents. And I think my coach knew that, you know, something was a little bit off with me. Um, I was a little bit more mad at times than usual. And I, I, he knew that I was struggling with something. He obviously was not able to tell what that was, but uh, he had really gained my trust. And, uh, you know, he was someone I, I kind of looked up to and appreciated. Um, so I came out to him and, you know, he was also incredibly supportive. And just knowing that I had him, you know, uh, as a support system made coming out to my teammates a lot easier, knowing that I had him as kind of a backbone in support um, and it also just allowed me to play a lot more free, knowing that, you know, he accepted me for the entirety of who I was, not just as this athlete or this, you know, basketball player, but as like a human being as well. Absolutely. Um, well, clearly the co your, your coach had a very close relationship with you. He was obviously one of the first people that you came out to. Um, do you mind elaborate a little bit more on your relationship with your coach, especially going from coming out into, you know, your final year as a student athlete at Hamilton? Yeah. Um, when someone is in the closet, at least I can only speak for myself, but I assume a lot of people are like this, you are hyper vigilant of um, any mentions of anything related to queerness. So if I heard anything that was homophobic, I would, it was almost like there was this radar in my brain, I would, I would turn and um, kind of pay attention to see people's receptions. If someone said something somewhat homophobic, I would see how people are responding. And he had always been, you know, overtly supportive. He did not outspokenly say like, I stand with a queer community or do anything, you know, really large or kind of gargantuan in that way. But there was a lot of subtle um, and small, you know, acts of inclusion that I kind of picked up on. So I, I kind of already had this prediction that he would be supportive 
um, beforehand. And so when I kind of got to that, that moment, I, I felt like I had, you know, I had this trust. If, if I had a coach that I thought was um, somewhat homophobic, I, I likely would not have came out to them or, you know, my entire process would have gone very differently, I assume. But I had already kind of built this or he had built this kind of repertoire um, in the past with just being a very solid human being. And, you know, that gave me the comfort and, and trust in him to, to open up. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing to have that kind of support system with your coach and your teammates. And yeah, mm-hmm. I could definitely relate to the hypervigilance of, you know, trying to see who, uh, you know, if, if anyone would had like, would react, you know, towards a homophobic uh, remark. Um, in my case, thankfully, there's at least one other um, gay person on my team so that did make things, you know, I'm jealous. A little easier. I know. Yeah. But uh, I was the only gay person on the women's team for the longest time. Uh, but at least I had someone on the men's side of things who was also part of the queer community as well. Um, but, you know, hopefully because of your, you know, being outspoken and being and sharing your story and things like that, that, you know, future teammates, you know, at your college and at other colleges like it will be able to feel comfortable with their teammates too. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was one of the, you know, the motivations for me was knowing that um, even if my journey was difficult, there was people previous to me that kind of paved the way and that I could kind of continue to pave that so that someone in 10 years, they won't even have to, to blink an eye just to be able to kind of be who they are. Yeah. It's just noticing with, the pro- with any kind of progress, whether it, in any industry or, you know, sport or things like that you know it's like there's people just kind of chip away at you know ex- you know certain assumptions and expectations and then the next person chisels a little bit more off until mm-hmm. we get to where we are today where while we still have a lot of work to do uh it's definitely become a more positive space i mean look at us right now we're on a podcast talking about being lgbtq and an athlete you know yeah no exactly this is something that even five years ago, I would have had a very difficult time um, envisioning. So the, the progress is, is absolutely occurring. Um, just continue, hope it continues to do so. Absolutely. It, it definitely, I mean, looking around this year at all of the different, you know, major, you know, organizations like the NCAA and other organizations and other even brands, uh, you know, sharing the rainbow flag and sharing their support for the community, seeing that kind of, you know, uh, visibility you know, mm-hmm. seeing you can't you can't you can't walk through a target without seeing at least a couple rainbows, you know. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, well, you were the first, I believe now correct me if I'm wrong, you were the first person to win the NCAA Division Three LGBTQ athlete of the year. Is that right? I was, yes. It was actually last year was the, the first year that they had the award. So I was the first. Say the award title five times fast, right? NCAA Division Three <laughs> LGBTQ athlete of the year. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> tongue twister right there uh well how did you feel to receive this honor it was incredible um it was really odd timing because it was you know my coach had nominated me previous to to COVID and then with COVID not kind of all the complications I'd almost I had not forgotten about the award but it was kind of on a back burner um in my mind so when I, I received a call from the NCAA saying that I won I was incredibly happy um, and it really, for me, just felt like a, a celebration of, you know, all the, the support that I had and kind of my own personal journey and all the, the trials and tribulations that I had gone through both as a queer person and as an athlete. Um, and, you know, I was probably more proud of that award than, than any other athletic accolade that I had received for my college, entire college career. So it was a really, you know, beautiful way to kind of to, to tip off the, the end of a four year journey. 
Absolutely. Congratulations again on that. Um, you know, what does, what does receiving and not just receiving this award, you were the first person to receive this award. Um, what does that mean for you? Yeah. Um, I think, again, we talked about chipping away. I think it shows that this is um, almost a little bit of like a landmark in time of uh, a more accepting future of a more inclusive athletic community of the NCAA becoming um, more, you know, pro-queer, queer friendly, and that, you know, we are here to stay in, in this, this athletic sphere and in all spheres. Um, and, you know, for me personally, it, it was, um, you know, when I first decided to come out, I was really unsure if this was the right decision, if I should wait till after my career, if this was going to compromise my ability to compete or have relationships with my teammates. And, you know, to kind of go through all that and then receive this award was really um, you know, for me, just proof that I made the right decision and that, um, you know, I was really excited that, you know, I had, I had kind of gone through all the, the loops and the, the jump through all the hoops to get to this position. Absolutely. Uh, well, besides being a student and an athlete, which is already a pretty demanding, you know, schedule right there, you've done a lot of community involvement um, in your area with, uh, you know, fundraising. And I believe there was also a, uh, you you go to like elementary schools, I believe. Is that correct? That like yeah, yeah and you talk with kids about you know being a student athlete, um, mm -hmm. and I think also the uh, athletes of color initiative uh, mm -hmm. is something else that you were involved in. Do you mind talking to us a little bit about uh, some of those community initiatives that you've done over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I when I went into college, I noticed that there was a little bit of a gap between there was a lot of committees for for athletes to kind of get integrated into the school and obviously get used to like the rigor of having such a huge commitment. And then there was a lot of um, organizations oriented around um, the, the student of color experience. So there was, uh, you know, different organizations for Latinx students, for um, black students, for uh, African identifying students, but there was no organization that really uh, orchestrated the two in, in terms of being both black and being an athlete. And I had noticed in my own personal experience, there was you know, certain difficulties that were really um, kind of specific to that group. Let's say a teammate accidentally says, you know, a microaggression, or you have an assistant coach that says something kind of problematic. And I, I myself did not know how to navigate that. So as I got older, um, myself, um, one of my teammates, and then one of the women's teammates came together and decided to create a coalition, you know, specifically to deal, you know, with, with these problems. Um, and, you know, Mrs. Merrill or Miriam Merrill, who was the assistant athletic director at the time, was incredibly supportive. She actually, you know, the, the Hamilton is in the NESCAC, which is like the, the greater organization of all the schools in our conference. And we went to a, a meeting with other uh, athletes of color um, organized by the, the NESCAC and talked with students at other schools. And we really realized, oh, we are not, we are not, you know, just special in having this experience. So many people are kind of going through a lot of the same problems. But we were really happy to address it specifically at our school. And, you know, I hope the organization kind of continues to grow. Uh, I know the NESCAC itself is, is really working on creating consortiums for, for coaches of color and for students so that in the future, um, you know, there's more organization and, you know, more of these inequalities are able to be addressed. Yeah, thank you for sharing that and for, you know, for laying that groundwork for it. Uh, do you mind telling us a little bit more about why this sort of work is important to you? I think since I was younger, since I was a little kid, I always noticed different forms of inequality and inequity. And I was always so surprised by, oh, we're just allowing this to go on or we're just considering this to be the norm. 
um, whether it be you know economic discrimination or um, gender-based discrimination uh, or obviously anything related to, to queerness or race and I just decided that you know if I am put in positions of privilege which uh, you know we both were as athletes we can kind of utilize these platforms to to push the boundaries and kind of open the envelope so I saw myself as um, you know last year as a senior athlete someone who had a lot of influence in school that it was important for me to kind of take some of the the, the difficulties I had and hopefully alleviate or lessen them um, for future students so in a lot of my struggles as being a black athlete I thought you know if, if this can be changed for the next person why not you know put the effort into doing it and I was obviously not the only person to to, to kind of help create this coalition but you know just to be able to do that is such an incredible feeling knowing that someone who comes after me is not going to have to go through those same obstacles yeah absolutely and well you mentioned like you know kind of paving the way and being visible um You've shared your story probably plenty of times. You know, you're on like an inclusion forum. You're on the Final Four talks. Um, mm -hmm. What's what's your why for sharing the story? You know, over and over again. Why is yeah. it important to you? Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, I was very confused about you know kind of the the reality of being gay and being an athlete and you know being a competitive athlete at that. And I, you know, I had searched for um, people to speak on these types of things. I had searched for role models or people who had gone through that experience. And it was a lot more difficult to find people who, who were comfortable speaking on this subject five or 10 years ago. 10 years ago is almost sadly, you know, non-existent. Um, so now that I have the opportunity to kind of pay that forward, um, and there, there were a few people, um, one specifically was Derek Gordon, who was a basketball player who played at both Seton Hall and UMass and a couple other schools who wasn't out gay, um, you know, black basketball player. And seeing him was radical for me and really eye-opening. So, you know, now that I'm in the position to kind of speak in these things, you know, why not tell it as many times as I can? Because there's someone who could listen to this who may have missed the NCAA inclusion forum um, or, you know, one of the previous talks. So that is, you know, one of my main motivations. Absolutely. And, uh, what advice do you have for other people who are going through similar experiences to you? Yeah. Um, find someone you trust that you can talk to, whether it be a, a friend, a mentor, um, someone who works at the school, you're at your coach, um, a therapist, but just, you know, find someone to talk to so that you know that whatever you're going through is not solely in your head, but you can kind of speak it into reality. Um, and then, you know, find a community. Like you said, there's now Zoom there's now Zoom land. So you can find um, queer groups and wherever you are, you know, solely on the internet if you're not able to travel or meet people in person. But I really just think, you know, finding someone to talk to and then finding a community are two of the, you know, the largest things that I, I think once I did to kind of, you know, change my reality. Absolutely. I think with my experience as well, like the internet played a really big role in me finding the words to understand my experience. Um, mm -hmm. Even if people online didn't have the exact same experience to me, um, those common grounds were really impactful to me. Uh, you know, even, you know, think websites like, I almost want to cringe saying this, but Tumblr, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of communities are being formed on places like Discord. I've heard a lot about Discord mm -hmm. uh, being a place for, uh, you know, queer youth to connect with each other. Uh, that's, that's actually something that my local pride organization is trying to do as well. So congratulations on graduating recently. Uh, 
that's so exciting. Uh, what what's kind of like your plans for the future after finishing your education at Hamilton College? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, the, the past year I taught at a, a boarding school in Eastern Connecticut, the Pomfret School. I taught uh, English and history, and I, I coached basketball as an assistant. And I really tried to integrate, you know, DEI work into all I did, whether it was, um, you know, pedagogically structuring my lesson plans around kind of more of a, a decolonial history, or even in English with the, the books I taught and the representation that the characters were able to give. Um, in the future, I think I want to kind of continue um, in the social justice oriented track. Um, I don't think I'm going to teach forever, but I do think that I'm going to kind of continue to try to impact people's lives. So I cannot give you a finite answer, but that thematically is kind of where I'm, I'm headed. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, I'm pretty sure at this point, especially after graduating, you used to get any old questions. Oh, what do you want to do in the future? What do you want to do after you graduate? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I know I've certainly gotten those questions. Um, but on the social justice uh, track, uh, what sort of, what would you like to do with, you know, social justice work in the future? Yeah, I think I want to, you know, to the best of my uh, ability, keep integrating, you know, queer representation into athletic spheres. Um, because even though we're having this discussion, even though there have been more athletes to come out, it is something specifically in you know, hyper-masculine sports and contact sports that is still rare. There's still not an out NBA player or NFL player or MLB player or even NHL player. So there are obviously, if we're talking about thousands and thousands of men, there are obviously people who are queer in those spaces, but they don't feel comfortable. So I think just really trying to keep you know, pushing forward and making sure that you know, all spaces really feel inclusive. Um, and also just kind of, you know, in terms of, you know, racial equity, keep trying to push for uh, more inclusion, um, keep fighting for equity, keep fighting for uh, police reform. So there's really a, a lot of different kind of avenues where, you know, one can help the world. There's obviously a lot of problems, but I think those are two, two of the largest for me. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think as athletes, even former athletes, we have a responsibility to be visible, um, even if we were, you know, in the areas that we lived in for a short period of time, we still have a responsibility uh, as queer people, as former athletes, as human beings to, you know, sh shine a light on issues like, you know, lack of representation and, you know, racial inequality. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Uh, well, my last questions, um, what are some of the things that you've taken from your classroom education, uh, the basketball court and community involvement that you hope to carry into the future with anything that you're doing, social justice work, career, anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the largest takeaways I've had is that we are capable, you know, even as young people of affecting change. It's not this stagnant wall uh, of, you know, of things are just a certain way and that's how they're going to stay, but we are able to, you know, make things better, um, positively, you know, change or impact things. So really, if we, if we see a problem and, and we as young people can come together as a collective, we can make a, a huge impact on society. Um, and I think I went into college kind of thinking that, you know, every system, whether it be equitable or not, was set in stone and kind of immovable. But, you know, I kind of realized through my education, through my personal experiences that, um, again, we kind of just have to chip away and, and try to create the reality and, and um, you know, the world that we want. Be the change you wish to see. I know that that quote gets slapped on every classroom poster, but everywhere. it's true everywhere. Yeah. But I mean, it's everywhere for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, before we sign off, are there any final thoughts or uh, you know comments you'd like to make? 
I do not have any. I just want to thank you and the NCAA for, for putting this on and kind of continuing to highlight queer voices. And I'm so happy that this is happening and that it, I hope it continues to exist. Well, Kenna, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your story. We really appreciate your opening, you know, opening up and sharing your experience with all the people who are listening right now. Thank you. Of course. And thank you to our audience for tuning in throughout this month as we celebrate Pride. For more of me behind the mic, you can check out Queer Mountaineers, my podcast on iTunes and Spotify and just about wherever else you get your podcasts from. This has been College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. We look forward to talking with you again.